episode of Call Me Crazy. It is a new month. That means new blessings. And of course, a new guest. You guys can call me Baz. We are joined with a lovely, lovely guest. What may we call you? Davika. <laughs> it's so exciting to have you here. Um, so as I usually do, and I was just saying to Davika, I always creep um, guests before they come. <laughs> funny because it sounds weird but I did a little bit of creeping and I saw you first on my friend's um, platform Kev um, and he had you for his live his shows on his let's talk show Um, and there was a lot of things that you said that we'll talk about some more um, that I that resonated a lot with me but a little bit about Zabika and what I picked up and then you can fill in the blanks. Um, you're an educator, an entrepreneur, an advocate, and a mom. So you do a lot of things. Those are, <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> um, and you aim to empower young women and children in vulnerable communities to reach their true potential. Um, you're the founder of She's Winning, which is a movement that empowers and equips women to win in life and, and the co-founder of Peel Advocate advocacy group that brings awareness to educators, families, to ensure the best care for the most vulnerable, the children. So you do a lot of things, a lot of beautiful things, great things. Um, Not everyone can pull that off, but you do, and you do it with grace. Um, Is there anything else I can add? I know a bio, I, like, I hate when someone says, tell me about yourself. It's like, let me just list my accolades, but did I miss anything? Right. Um, The only other thing is that, you know, I want to say that I am a lifelong learner. Um, So at the present time, I am doing my master's. Amazing. (laughs) On top of everything else. But um, wow. I love to study. Wow. Love to study. Yeah. I like learning. I don't like studying, which is weird like I love I miss being in school I just finished applying for my master's um but the whole like exam process I don't miss yes yes so here's the thing when you take your master's you get less of those right it's it's different yeah it's it and it's something you love what um what are you doing your master's in you don't mind Uh, counseling and uh divinity Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Whoa, I love that. Yeah. That's a really nice balance. Um, so I usually do an icebreaker and I'll be honest, right before you, you came on, um, I was like, oh, I can't think of an icebreaker. But I usually, for the beginning of a month, I always try and set an intention or um, call something to kind of just set the tone for the month um, for a theme. And I wanted to know what your intention or you wanted to set for this month of February is, if you have one. I know it's silly the first. Um, I definitely, so, okay. Um, I am an educator and I do work for um, the school board. And for the month of February, I wanted to say no. Mm. Um, I, I really wanted to say no. A lot of my actions have been, you know, thanks for inviting me. Thanks for thinking about me, but I'm going to have to decline. Um, 
And I started practicing that. I know the month had just started, but I started practicing that last week mm-hmm. um, in preparation for, I mean, it's February, it's Black History Month, right? Um, and I find, you know, I'm often pulled into a lot of directions and into a lot of meetings. And I was like, no, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not doing it. Yeah, no, that's big. That's a huge one. That's a huge one. Saying no sometimes isn't something that comes naturally, um, especially as women. I think we're told, like, that's not something that I have to think about it. And sometimes it feels counterintuitive to me. Right, right. So, like, the intentional part of this isn't just to say no to say no. It is to say no and to really encourage you to go look for the resources yourself. I can help navigate you, but I'm not going to supply you, right? And that is where that like intentional piece is. Um, and like what you said, it's kind of like counterintuitive, you know, because I feel as if it's really important to learn about Canadian Black history. Um, and I really want to, you know, be that voice and to be that encourager and to be that support for the students. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm being taken advantage of in the process, then I know. <laughs> honestly, because you have so much going on, you don't want to spread yourself too thin. That's true too. You mm-hmm. can't, you can't pour from an empty cup. Like I have to remind myself that too. So yeah, you know, comes along with that. Um, I love it. So it brings us to our topic, which I think saying no will definitely be part of this uh, <laughs> conversation um (laughs) definitely be part of this conversation um and timing is everything for me so this this topic kind of aligns with my journey in life and I'm not sure if it'll align with yours but I know this is something you spoke about candidly before um and I want to look about I want to look at um the glow up process after heartache or a breakup Mm -hmm. Um, and I frame it that way because a lot of the time we look at breakups as this very negative thing, which they are, they are, it's trauma. I'll be honest. I think they're downplayed and I think heartaches and breakups can be very much a source of trauma. Um, but there's also a lot of beauty that comes from that type of pain. So I want to highlight that and reframe it and not take away from the trauma piece. Um, so yeah, that's, a little bit about why I went with the topic, but we'll discuss it. Um, but before we do, um, I I definitely want to know more about your work um, with empowering women and children and where you kind of got your passion from. Yeah, absolutely. So I have been in the field of education for just over 10 years, just over 10 years. And um, it was actually something that I stumbled upon accidentally. I didn't think that I would enjoy the work that I do. Um, So a lot of my family, um, they're in education in some capacity, right? Either professor, teacher, so on. Everyone is a teacher. Um, And I was kind of protesting. Nope, that's not me. That's not what I want to do. Um, but my mom encouraged me. So, you know, I did apply, I got into the board and now this is with a social work background. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I got in, I started to see a lot of things 
And so I intentionally only choose to work in communities with a lot or a large population of um, multiculturalism or um, predominantly black or either like um, lower income type neighborhoods where, you know, poverty and like insecure or not insecurities, but um, yeah, it, like food or shelter insecurities are present. Um, those are the communities that I like to work in. And, you know, I see, I see moms come into school with their kids, you know, not sure how they're going to, you know, afford for um, transit. Um, and so, you know, with that background of just being in social work, I began to see things, well, I saw things differently already, um, but I began to start um, advocating. So, you know, I would go to administrators and I would say, okay, is there a way, do we have money in our budget to provide, you know, some kind of service, um, a group, a drop-in center, a resource center for parents, you know? Um, sometimes the answer was yes, sometimes the answer was no. But along with that, um, I felt more so that a lot of my skill sets began to flourish um, or develop. So, you know, as well as everyone is either a teacher of my family, they are also entrepreneurs. So I began to now say, okay, well, if I was told no, how can I still provide, right? Because your no was just one no, but it wasn't the definite no. So I began to look around, like, what are some things that I could do, you know, um, so I would do things like have a picnic, I, you know, at a park nearby or whatever on the weekend, I'm off the clock, you know, parents will come around and it's kind of like, okay, mom, dad, you know, here are some things that you can do. You know, what are your skill sets? Can you, you know, create things to generate money? Um, you know, he, here is where you could apply to go to school and you have access to these resources. Here are things. So I began to share my knowledge. Like what I said, I'd love to learn. I'd love to study. So whenever I feel passionate about something, I will exhaust the, you know, every avenue that I could go. So when I show up, I'm like, Okay, you know, in like the movies when they say like, oh, do you see my child? Like, this is a picture of my son. And then all the pictures like scroll, like drop to the bottom. Okay, well, that's me. So I show up and I'm like, okay, I have this. But then I have 50 sheets of documents that you could, <laughs> that you could also access because I have not, you know, um, really put this down. And I really want to make sure that I provide you with everything that I know, you know, and if I don't know something, then I reach out to the next. Um, throughout, you know, this 10 years of just kind of nurturing and developing, um, you know, the love for um, the communities that I serve, um, also drawn to my love for entrepreneurship. Mm. Um, and I feel as if, you know, some of the experiences that I went through in life kind of sparked um, other tangible skills that I would have not 
otherwise accessed if I didn't experience trauma or if I didn't experience a breakup or, you know, um, and so anytime there was an opportunity to really be active in my community, my hand was up. Sometimes if I stepped into a space and I really felt led to just say, this is who I am, um, it created um, a connection point for people to reach out to me. Because I've done that before in class. I've done that before at work. It's kind of like, well, if any, by the way, I know nobody has asked, but, you know, there's this event and that event. And plus, you know, I'm also doing this and blah, blah, blah. And then for those, they're like, oh my gosh, like, mm-hmm. can you please tell me, can you provide this for me? So um, being in education has been beautiful. Um, and, you know, it's so rewarding because it's not just the lives of children, but it's families, yeah. um, as well as the development of community. Wow. That is so powerful. There's a lot of things that were coming up for me as you were speaking. Um, but I wanted to first acknowledge the power of education and the power of teachers. I think um, they are the foundation of community, as you said. Um, and all I kept thinking was uh, growing up, my grandfather would always tell me in his prayers, he would obviously thank God for uh, his family, but he would always make sure to thank God for his teachers. Um, and that was very much part of his practice. And I now, as I'm older, I understand it, but he had to drop out of school at 13 to support his family. But the fact that up to 13, that the, the teaching that he had was so impactful till he was in his 70s, still thanking God, um, shows the impact of a teacher. And I think, like you said, we're always students, but we still have that capacity of helping others. So we want to connect, create that like butterfly effect of, now we've gained this knowledge, let's pass it on so that we can create that um, that cycle. Um, I love that. I love that so much. And I think you kind of said with the, the icebreaker how practicing no, but in a way you've kind of done, it's, it, there's a saying and you might, I don't remember the exact wording, but it's something like you can bring some, like a, what is it? Okay. You can bring a horse to water, but you can't make them drink or something like that. Um, so it's definitely that. And then it's also the one where it's like, um, you could, you can give a man fish and he can eat for one night, or you could teach him how to fish and he can eat forever. Um, and I think that exemplifies, um, you giving people or directing them to the resources or giving them the knowledge. Now you are giving them power. There's autonomy that comes from that. Um, empowerment, confidence. And I think access to education is huge. It's like such a big thing, especially in vulnerable communities. Um, So I think it's often not highlighted enough. So thank you for being part of that community system. I think it's so powerful. Um, So to shift gears a little bit, um, we're going to talk about breakups. And I find them, I don't know, I'm, I used to, I used to um, kind of not ignore or downplay like breakups, but I think you learn a lot about people, about the world, about yourself through them. Uh, <laughs> great learning experience, so we can pull a lot from it. Um, but I want to say, 
the way I thought of this is kind of we can take it more into um, like in a chronological order. So um, often breakups happen. So there's an ending of something. And I'll be honest, usually the initial reaction is, what do I do? What do I do right now? You know, I think the first two weeks, maybe month is the hardest. And I often people are just trying to take and do whatever they can. So um, I wanted to ask you, what would be your best tips for getting through the initial, the initial breakup or the initial shock few weeks of a breakup? Yeah, absolutely. So relationship is one of my favorite topics. Um, <laughs> I love talking about relationships. And I would definitely say just based on my personal experience and what I see, um, the patterns of culture and how that looks like in um, like our community nowadays um, is... First, we need to acknowledge that uh, a piece of you left, mm. right? Like you talked about, you know, breakups are trauma. Yes, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's the same thing when, you know, we cut her hair or like a piece of you left, you know, you are now looking at yourself different. And oftentimes what happens when we do get into a breakup we tend to look at ourselves and say, what is wrong? What is wrong? You know, um, I'm not too sure, like men do do it too, but theirs look a little bit different. But women, we like to get our hair done, get our nails done, change our wardrobe. You know what I mean? We are trying to pretty up the exterior to make the interior feel good. So I think if you were to first start by addressing the interior and say, okay, something left me, someone left me, a piece of my heart left, um, shifts your focus so you're not looking at you, right? Um, so first is to acknowledge. Second, I would definitely say is seek help, right? And it may sound trivial because you're like, oh, but it's just a boyfriend. No, it's not just a boyfriend, right? Um, because in relationships, and I talk about this a lot, and it's not just relationships with a spouse or, you know, someone that you are romantically attached to. Um, relationships are very powerful. Um, you develop who you are in relationships. And so let's say this person that you were with, you know, taught you how to be um, spontaneous, right? Now with that person removed from your life, um, who is going to help develop that skill that they were bringing to your life or so on, right? So I would definitely go to um, a professional, um, either it be a therapist, a counselor, a coach, um, or even a mature group of friends um, or elders, right? Um, just going to someone because they're, they'll be able to kind of help navigate you through these next um, couple of weeks or days. Um, and then the next thing that I would do um, is forgive. 
is forgive the individual is to forgive yourself. Um, and then I think the next thing that I would do, I've done it, um, is then look now at the exterior. Um, but not in a way to decorate, um, but in a way to give value, to give worth. So if there was, you know, something that you really wanted to do in life, go do it and, and put your money up. You know, you wanted to go skydiving, go skydiving. You pay that money. If you really wanted to, you know, attend this wonderful conference or whatever, go do it. You know, because it's feeding into your worth, your self-worth. Before you could decorate the identity and all this stuff from the outside, you need to do that internal stuff first. Yeah. And then after that, then go have fun. Go cut your hair. Go go, go get your nails done. <laughs> no, that's true. Because I think a lot of the times our automatic reaction is, okay, well, now I got to go, you know, get my hair done, you know, do my nails, take some pictures, like all these things. And it's really and truly, I think, yeah, temporarily it might help, but you're still having to deal with that internal, um, that internal struggle or trauma. Um a big thing is that lack of acceptance, um, that denial. And I think that's a lot of times what prolongs the healing process is not acknowledging that part. So now we're using bandage, like bandages or coping mechanisms that are just delaying, um, you know, really feeling like, I remember my best friend would always tell me like, just cry, like give yourself. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> Feel it. Like you got to go through it to get through it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was definitely like, it's, it's hard because no one wants to feel intense emotions like that. Um, but a big thing you said at the beginning was you are grieving part of yourself um, and you are grieving a version of yourself um, that you've created, that you've, um, this trajectory that you've invested in that no longer will exist. So now you have to grieve, not necessarily a person and a relationship, but a part of yourself that no longer will continue to exist and now shifting into a different um, trajectory. And I think that is also, that's sometimes the hardest part that we can't even acknowledge because a person, you can, you can love a person from afar, but who you we're becoming with this person is the one thing that will no longer exist. Um, and I think that's very, very hard for a lot of people to, to grasp. And it, it's hard. Like no one says it's easy, but I agree. You have to feel it. You really have to feel it. Um, unfortunately though, to kind of add on to that and question for you, um, our generation is very prone to splitting up and ending like, it's not necessarily let's go work through it. You know, we're going to grow through it, growing pains. Um, and often it's either breakup or infidelity. And I personally, I'm very much, I don't like saying old school. Cause I feel like it, like to me, that's, that doesn't make sense to do the other options. But um, why do you think our generations kind of created that 
that cycle of not being able to work through things. Right. Um, well, okay. So some of the characteristics of just this generation um, is, you know, that fluidity, mm. right? Like the ability to constantly change, but never mold into anything. Mm. So when an opportunity arrives, you meet someone, you fall in love, or, you know, you really admire this person, you're in a relationship, um, because you haven't allowed yourself to form, right? It, it, you just go. And it's easy to go, right? Because you haven't held on long enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is really sad. And I want to say, you know, I'm very much I would say like old school, right? In terms of, um, but I think the real definition is that I know who I am. Mm. I've established my values. I've established, you know, my character and it continues to to grow. Um, But I've also established boundaries. 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 I know them, right? Because in order for me to continue to be the person that, you know, God has created me to be, the person that I want to be, if you come along and you come from like you do you just do things that are totally different, which is cool. But if it's starting to now take me away from me, mm-hmm. then that's a problem. So having a boundaries allows me to invite those into my life, kind of like a gate to a front door. It swings in and out because I need to be able to say, yes, you're welcome in. Okay. Now you have overstepped. Now I got, you know, you could take the same same exit out, but as well, um, it allows me to keep those in my circle um, in my circle, you know, and together we're able to grow and to develop and, you know, so on and so forth. But um, another thing that happens is that, you know, le- okay, let's bring it back to education. Let, let me talk there. Um, you could write one sentence for an entire year and still pass. Right? You can then the next year learn to read only one book and not grow and not develop, right? We do those leveled readers. You could be stuck at level two, at B, at C or whatever for from kindergarten all the way to grade 12 Mm. and not be held accountable to move, to grow, to develop, Mm. right? So if we are... Um, you know, unconsciously, consciously rewarding stagnant mm. behavior, then it's going to show up in other areas of our lives. Right? Because if you're in a relationship and your partner now is holding you accountable, usually that's when your back is against the wall. Like, how comes you're requesting so much from me, (laughs) you know? And then you're just kind of like, I'm just going to go elsewhere to where I'm not going to be held accountable so I can continue to do and perform at the same level that I've been performing at from grade 12. 
Now this, this part right here is so powerful. And I've had this conversation with um, a lot of my male friends where I'm like, I'm over saying men are trash. I'm over saying all men cheat or they're dogs. You can't trust men. And the reason why I'm over saying that is because I will, I hold men to a higher regard. You know, I hold men to a higher standard to just say men fall to animalistic traits is actually like, really like that's where we're going. We're moving back to like, you know, our ancestors, like really like thousands of years back to like, you literally have, you have a conscious mind. That's what separates us from animals. You know, you've created literally like vaccines, the wheel, like airplanes, like all these crazy things. And you're telling me you can't use your conscious mind to make decisions like that. It's so baffling that, and that is not necessary. So it basically reinforces what you just said of, it's not challenged enough. It's, it's rewarded this minimal effort of, you know, men are just men. So of course that's the standard. I think the standard needs to be held higher in terms of what um, men expect for themselves. Not as, like, I don't think women need to hold that standard because it's not our responsibility. I think men need to hold it for themselves um, and their value. Like, are we really just animalistic? Like, I don't, I don't think that's the case at all. I think um, most men would like to think that they're above that and, you know, intelligent beings. Um, and I, I think because I come from a psych background, I look at things very much from like that educational, like reinforcement, right. Positive reinforcement, right. Um, all that and conditioning. Like I always think of conditioning and, oh my gosh. Yes. Ab- no, it is. I, I, oh, I'm so glad that you said this because, um, a group of, uh, colleagues and I, uh, we were talking about, you know, um, systemic racism and we work for different boards, um, but we've been friends for quite some time. And we were just kind of like, no, some of the things that they, that like the boards or like um, other organizations is putting out, Mm -hmm. it actually is going to fall flat because if you're unable to retrain the way that you have been conditioned, mm-hmm. it's not going to work. And to retrain, you know, you got to look at the behaviors, right? And if you're unable to touch the behavior, then you cannot expect a new pattern. You know, we learned this in like neuroscience, right? Like we know that the brain is very mushy, right? And it, it's it's like plastic in that sense to where it is moldable. But if you are not refiring new information, new patterns, new, you're, it's not going to change. <laughs> it's not going to change. So it's one thing, yes, to hold men accountable, to hold women accountable. Um, but it is also more so important to interrupt behaviors, yeah. right? And, uh, and and start from there. So for example, if you are in a relationship and you're finding like your partner is doing things that are very irritating to you, don't just sit there and get mad. Mm-hmm. Say something. But you say it from that place of, you know, 
sometimes, you know, when you say this word or when you do this, it triggers this response in me, mm. right? To where now that person is going to be more conscious, more mindful, like, oh, and it's that interruption, right? Mm. So, you know, there, there isn't enough of interruption. You know, there's lots of reward systems. There's lots of, you know, these kinds and forms of conditioning behaviors that we don't want <laughs> in adulthood, Right. That's so true. Um, it's so this converse, this topic is funny and I appreciate that you look at it similarly, like, and it can be as small as, um, being mindful of how you reinforce behavior and what you interrupt. So we can't control someone else, but we can control how we, um, what we boundaries, what we let, um, people do to us and what we do to others. So I saw this video once or someone said it, it was like as simple as like, when um, you go on a date and, um, you know, the date's over and they text you or whatever, saying, overthinking them reinforces for the bare minimum. And I think that almost like, and I'm not saying like, you know, act like, oh, like I'm, he's buying me food and taking me on, I'm taking his money. Like, no, I'm talking about, you know, like, he enjoyed his time too. This was a mutual decision to acknowledge, to have this, this opportunity, like this, this exchange, it's a mutual thing. So you going out of your way and being like, Oh, thank you so much for paying for dinner. I appreciate it. All these things. It's like, now you're reinforcing the bare minimum of something they chose to be a part of. And I think, um, that already sets that imbalance. So yeah, that was, that's a big one for me. And that's huge. Um, you said something else that I, like, I'm taking notes as you're writing. Cause I'm like, Oh, there's so much little gems in here. Um, but to kind of tie back to a breakup as well, a breakup is incredibly uncomfortable. And we know that growth only happens in discomfort. So using a breakup as a catap- as a, as a catapult to, um, you know, redefining yourself, um, growing, glowing up, like, and making that conscious choice of, Hey, like now I can do that work that I need to do, whether it's this conditioned behavior or, you know, not letting this relationship, whether good or bad, reinforce negative things within me. I think that's also important of being mindful of what is being subconsciously reinforced. And I say this because sometimes in a relationship, especially at a, in a breakup, it reinforces either negative thoughts about ourselves or the world. Um, so for instance, um, you know, I'm not worthy of love or I'm always going to be cheated on. Like all these types of beliefs are going to be reinforced. And I think it is our responsibility to stay on top of that during that breakup process and not let it be reinforced and counter that. Um, I'm not sure if you wanted to add on that part before we move forward. No, yeah, no, that, that was really good. Um, it's true. Yeah. You don't want to reinforce, um, those mindsets, right? So doing that investigative work to figure out, okay, where is the origin coming from? Like, what is the origin? Was it that, you know, you grew up 
and you were always told one way or your parents or teachers always responded to you in a specific way. And then that triggered these behaviors. So now in adulthood, in your relationship, you know, it's coming out. And then now, you know, at the end of your relationship, it it just feeds back into everything that you've always known. Mm. No, that's so true. And I, I think, um, to tie it to education as well. And I obviously look at everything from a a psych perspective, like I said, but education plays a big part because it reinforces this. Our blueprint to relationships are from childhood. Um, And that could mean any caregiver. It could mean a teacher. It could be a babysitter. You know, it it looks, there's so many different ways moving parts to it, but it is very much the blueprint to how you see the world and how you navigate through relationships. Um, So to say that, um, a lot of the times we have to acknowledge that we are coming from a place of like this inner child within us. um, And doing that work is our responsibility. And a lot of the times just saying, well, this is how I am, is not being accountable. I think that's a really big part. And um, like you said, the mind is very malleable. It's very much something that you can actively work on. Not to say that it's easy, it's not, but you can do it. And um, that's been very much my journey in the last, I wanna say year, since my last heartache was, okay, I'm taking this year and I'm not letting this reinforce these beliefs I have, I'm actually going to do the opposite. I'm going to stay on top of it and teach myself, you know, the way I want to be loved, teach myself um, a new blueprint so that I don't repeat these patterns. Because what we tend to do is we have this blueprint. So subconsciously, we recreate it a lot of the times. And I think that's, um, it. that's why therapy or, you know, seeking help after a relationship is important to kind of reflect and see, okay, was this me repeating a pattern that I already know? Or was this just a situation that didn't work out? Um, Yeah, I think that's been a big process for me. And um, now I'm kind of in that phase of, I'm out of that breakup phase. I've done a lot of the work been 100% single for the last year, over a year now. Um, But I'm so scared of being with people now because I'm good by myself. I am great. Like I could be by myself all the time. I'm lovely, but it's scary now to put yourself back in that space. So um, now that I've mastered being alone, what would you say is advice to kind of start navigating and being comfortable in those spaces again without letting the trauma out even though the work's been done I think you can't fully work on yourself till you put yourself back in those spaces yeah and you nailed it right on the head so um this Sunday I'm doing a a live to where I'm going to be talking about how to redefine sex intimacy and singleness and the purpose of this live or at least what I really want to convey and to deliver is that you 
we're fr from your position where you are standing, you know, you've done all of the work, um, but now you're a little bit scared to step into the next level, right? And so it's important to redefine what all of this is going to mean to you. Like, why do you want to date again? Why do you want someone in your space again? And once you're able to redefine that, um, it reinforces your belief system. And once your belief system is, is established, it acts as a foundation. So it minimizes, you know, counterfeits that come into your life. Um, or at least that you would um, entertain. <laughs> it reduces, you know, those who you entertain. Um, but it also encourages, encourage you to keep moving, mm. you know, um, and doing it scared. Mm. I, I was scared, um, you know, from the end of my relationship. Now it took about three and a half years or so before I got to the place where I'm just kind of like, okay, I'm so ready. Um, but in year one, year one and a half, I was like, yep, I'm ready. Mm. And as soon as I stepped into, you know, dating again, I was like, oh, hell no, I am not ready. You know, I was like, no, I can't, I can't do this. I'm like, I can't, I'm not ready. I'm like this guy, he was wonderful, but I'm not ready. And so I had to then say, what do I want? What is it? Because the worst thing that you could do is fall into a relationship. Yeah. Right? Fall in. Why are you falling? Why are you falling into anything? <laughs> Don't fall into a relationship. You want to do so intentionally with a purpose or at least the vision of where you're going. Um, and it's also important to know the person's vision for their life, for their future, because you want to be able to partner with them. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if both of your visions are so off, then maybe the partnership will be a little bit off or at least an indicator to say, well, in, um, this is probably, probably be the bulk of our, um, butting heads, maybe in our vision, right? Um, where we're going, where we're moving forward. So um, whew, yeah, it's hard to step. You got to do it scared, but definitely redefining all of that um, to encourage you and to really be that foundation for you is important. Um, but also, this is one thing about redefining what it does. It allows you to dream again. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, in our dreams, this is where we build self-esteem. Because you may be daydreaming or fantasizing like, oh, child, did you see that guy? Like, if I, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so when you are daydreaming, it is building up your self-esteem. Because it is giving you a pair, you know, of legs. Um, that you otherwise may not have or don't know that you do have. Now, you are only to daydream for a little bit. A daydream is too 
propel you to move forward, not for you to stay stuck. <laughs> right. Um, cause that's another trap, um, is when you daydream too much, you fall into relationships and then you stay in relationships because you're continuously daydream about, you know, oh, wow, it's so wonderful. But in reality, like, <laughs> that's not a good place for you to be. <laughs> glasses, for sure. Oh, no, that's true. I think um, the whole idea of redefining, setting intentions, I think is powerful. Um, I've been doing a lot of um, manifesting, journaling, and the biggest thing for me is being very clear about things I want, not just saying, you know, um, I want a career. Okay, well, what kind of career do I want? What, I, what do I want it to look like? Why do I want a career? You know, where does this career leading me to? Um, you know, and I think that's the same thing with a relationship. Why? You know, why do you, and it could be as simple as like, why do you want friends? Like it doesn't even, you know, and, and, it, and it builds in so many, it could be in so many different arenas like you said when it comes to any form of relationship um and there's this concept and I it irks me and now I'm obviously like um getting more self-aware so I understand why it bothers me so much but there's that saying of I don't want to go with the flow I want to be the flow you know I want to set that pace and I think going with the flow it's cute it's fun but it always leads you to a place that you didn't intentionally want to be at. And you need to always set an intent. Like it's, if your intent is to just have fun and you are letting yourself know that intentionally, then, you know, go with that pace, that flow, but don't let someone else or a situation set your intent. I think that's a big mistake we make. Um, and I literally, been in a whole relationship and been like how did I get here like I don't even know how I got here like I literally do not I was not even trying to be here I'm how am I even heartbroken right now I was I don't even want to do this um so I think that's been my biggest thing and intention building is literally like on my vision board like everything with intent um and I think even redefining the whole idea. I'm going to do, I'm literally going to journal this tonight, like redefining um, is so important because a lot of time people don't even know why they want a relationship. It might just be a timeline thing. It might be because all their friends are in one. It might be because, oh, they've been single for X amount of time. So, you know, maybe that a whole panoramic's happening. So, you know, you want company, like it's so many things. So I think that's such good advice, um, redefining it. Um, yeah, when you redefine too, right? Like you may discover that you really are only seeking for like a companion, right? So maybe you don't really need a whole relationship. Maybe you need a pet. Yeah. Right. Or maybe you need to um, fill up your calendar with um, event nights or date nights with your friends. Yeah. Right. So that is something that I discovered in that time when I was um, seeing someone and I was like, oh, no, this is not for me. Really, what I needed was companion. Right. I wanted 
to be around people. So I started to set quarterly dates with my friends, like must have quarterly dates. And that's what I needed. I didn't need to be in a relationship. That's so true. And I think um, my biggest thing is I want any relationship, whether it's friendship, you know, like a romantic relationship, the basis to be a friendship. I want the foundation to always be the same of this mutual respect, this mutual communication, and um, eventually trust. Because I think a big mistake I used to make was like, oh, I think you're cute. I think you're cute. I like you. I like you too. Oh, wow, we're in a relationship. Oh, we're barely friends. Like, like I, I think that was the key thing that, yeah, we would build a friendship, but the foundation needs to be the friendship. Like that's been my biggest thing. And I really am focused more on that than anything. So yeah, I, I love that. I'm going to, I'm literally going to journal tonight. I already know what I'm going to do. Um, but that's a, those are a lot of, um, a lot of gems. And um, before we wrap up, I definitely want to ask you one more thing. And my question for you is, it can, it embodies two questions that I had here. Um, what are pieces of advice you would tell a young woman listening or a young girl um, to this podcast, Navigating Spaces, that, so this person, I think the world is, I hate saying the world's a cruel place, but it's, it could be heavy. Um, and I hate seeing quote unquote good women or young women who have good hearts and are vulnerable and are loyal um, and often taken for granted, what would you tell her? Play the long game. Mm. Um, develop yourself, develop mm. your character because you are the prize, right? And you know, maybe maybe I have a little of um, an influence that is encouraging um, what I'm saying after watching um, Bridgerton, oh. right? But I feel like there is such beauty and just power in a love relationship. And if we esteem being married and having a family and all these things as your top priority, well, then everything that we do to get there should also be held to that same level, you know? So if you are young and I wish someone, well, I, I was told up to a point, um, I didn't really start dating until I was 21, but this is now when I started to rebel. Um, but I was like, if someone was to put as much emphasis on marriage as they would to put emphasis on being single and learning about yourself and developing your character, I think that there would be less divorces, less, you know, issues and things like that because it's two whole people coming together not broken people with broken hearts that has not been mended. 
um, that, and then again, too, it's like, there isn't even enough people around that is supporting healing your hearts after a breakup. So we're walking around with wounds from Jerome and Tyrone and Sam and David and, and Nazim and with no cure in sight other than the vision of, I just need to get married. But marriage is not a Band-Aid, right? Because you're going to end up in this marriage now carrying the baggage of your past heartbreak and your husband probably has his too. And then you're both going to be laying on the floor like, I should not have married you. And then because as a society, as a culture, we haven't, we're so fluid, our behaviors have not, the way that we have been conditioned have not supported working things through, moving to a next level, elevating. If you don't know how to read in grade one, go to tutoring. Your parents, right? If you're in grade 12 and you still don't, go get a tutor. Like this has not been reinforced. So we're just fluid. We're just liquid. You know, we're just moving around, falling into relationships. Do it. Just going with the flow and, and uh, yeah, you know? Yeah. That's so true. Um, And that brings on a big point that we didn't really discuss is the whole concept of baggage. Well, we kind of did actually. Um, And that whole notion of we don't, there's almost like a stigma or like this like preconceived notion of like relationships, like, you know, find someone else, you know, uh, glow up on them, get revenge or toxic cycles. And it's like, no, it's okay to be single. And when I say single, I mean alone, like not finding healing in other people um and I don't mean like you could still have a support system you can have a therapist but I mean romantically um and I think a lot of the times we think let me find a quick fix fix let me do a coping mechanism let me just get back with my ex because I'll feel better and we're not realizing that now we're either prolonging that healing or we're actually adding more tears to that wound um and then we're gonna gravitate to another person who's hurt and then hurt people hurt people so it just that cycle that constant cycle um and it it, it, like you said it's not it's play the long game that's what you said yeah play the long game and I think that's so important because if that's your intention and that's what you want you need to do the steps to get you there and to get you there is not there's no shortcuts at all so I think that's a huge one and and really taking time to heal and understand why you feel the way you feel so that they always say your um the next healthy relationship you have is the hardest but to kind of help that you can do some of the work beforehand right the (laughs) pre-work the pre-work absolutely like you know my my story was I was in a relationship. I thought it was going into one direction um, and it ended up tearing me mm-hmm. inside. Um, you know, our relationship came to an end after infidelity and I was left as a single parent. And, you know, I started to 
just kind of figure out and navigate this all on my own um, because there wasn't a lot of people to tell me how to do right. And I was mature enough to recognize that I didn't want to do this the way that I've always seen it done. However, some of those behaviors and responses that I've witnessed either from movies or, you know, within culture um, did come up but I was able to check those responses, right? You know, and I, and I had to apologize um, for my behavior because as much as, you know, your pride gets in the way and it's like, don't apologize, girl, like don't apologize. Um, I, I have to, mm-hmm. I have to, because now I'm creating a, a new standard for my daughter, Right. And this is why I'm fully stepping into this space. Um, I'm going to have um, my uh, certifications actually in a couple of weeks. Wow. Um, so, you know, taking on like, and doing like premarital counseling and then um, really helping just young women and women in general um, to navigate this space. You know, either you are just single or you are single with a child or you are leaving and walking away from a divorce. I've heard way too much stories to close my eyes to this, Mm. you know, and just given who I am as a person, like what I said, like I'm coming to you with my picture, like, oh, this is my kid and the 50 other hundred photos that drop, right? Um, That's how I'm coming to you. And so, you know, I've got so much ideas. I'm I'm working with, you know, different experts in the field to really curate um, like a program to really help support women through this because it's needed. It is so needed. Like we can't all be falling on our faces, <laughs> you know? It's, wow. It's so right. true. Right. Um, and in some cultures too, you know, we don't share these things. You know, I come from a West Indian culture. Like we don't talk about these things, especially out loud. <laughs> like, you know, but that's also part of the problem. So we've got to, you know, restructure this whole thing to make it work for everyone. You know, there are people out there, grandparents that can't even see their kids because their son messed around with a girl and the girl's like, irks. You know, it, it affects more than just you, right? So when you are healed, we're all healed, right? That's- when you win, we all win. That's a gem. I'm writing it down. <laughs> That's a gem. Um, and it's literally generational trauma that you're healing through that. It's, uh, you know, you're creating these healthy now patterns. You're healing these wounds that are literally passed down sometimes. Because I think a lot of the times when people do these acts, sometimes it's deeper than just what they've lived. It's sometimes from their parents, their grandparents. So now you're healing generational wounds by choosing, you know, it's a choice. And then you have to, you're a human, so you're able to make a choice that maybe I went through this, but I don't want to go through it anymore. And I definitely don't want my kids to go through it. So that is huge. Um, And 
another thing that I wanted to address was um, this whole concept of um, going through healing and healing the community. And I don't know why when I went through my first breakup, I think the first breakup's definitely one of the hardest. Um, not to say that um, breakups are all, they get easier. They, they don't, but the first one's definitely, you have no idea what to do. You're like, wow, this is the worst feeling ever. Um, and I remember thinking like, I wish there was like, like a retreat that women could go to or a place that they could go to when they're going through a breakup and just feel love and eat good food and go through like yoga and learn about journaling and healing and, you know, not letting those, that negative, those negative coping mechanisms even like get to them. And I think, um, I was lucky I did a retreat and it wasn't necessarily for a breakup, it was for women and healing and it was a healing retreat but it was like perfect timing and it really shifted the gears of how I let that relationship define me um it could have either made me bitter and like you know develop unhealthy coping mechanisms but it actually led me to you know navigating this whole wellness mental health space so without it I don't know if I would have ever been in this space you know because it really allowed me to see what I needed and what I wanted for myself um, and redefine myself. So sometimes what you pull from a bad situation is actually, um, I guess, the piece that you need to take away from. And it's really what you make it. You have a choice end of the day. Um, but yeah, I love that you want to play a part in that healing process for women. Um, and 100% it's needed, 100%. And that empathy I think is something that when you are seeking therapy or counseling or even just a friend you can't fake that you know I think when you're really vulnerable and raw that pain is raw you just want someone to be like I understand like I'm validating your feelings you're not overreacting this is painful like I get it um but yeah I I just wanted to add those two cents um is there anything else about this topic, education, relationships, anything that you wanted to add before we, we go today? Read. Read books. There are tons of books that are out there and not necessarily books that focus solely on relationships, um, but I would definitely diversify that. So read books um, that talks about like emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. right? Read books that help you support your um, like self-care routine um, about how to establish boundaries, even books about, you know, how to get or have better habits. When you diversify your reading, it diversifies your responses, mm -hmm. right? And um, I would say that is probably the very first place that we all should go. Mm -hmm. Because if you want to get better, you will invest in you mm -hmm. and you will put in the work. I love that so much. Is there a book that you're reading right now? Oh my gosh, there's a few. But yes, there, there is one that, when I tell you it's like blowing my mind, totally blow my mind. I, it's from Henry Cloud mm -hmm. and the book is called Mothering the Mother, oh dear, 
I don't remember the title. Uh, hold on once. Oh, here it is. Okay. So the title is called Our Mothers, Ourselves. Mm. And it basically is going into detail. So it has um, six or nine moms, mothering types. And then it shows what happens now when your mother neglected certain areas of your childhood and how that looks like in your adulthood. But then it doesn't just leave you there. It tells you how to develop those missed like things, those right? And to develop that in your adulthood. I need that book. So good. (laughs) It's so good. Wow. I love that. I love that so much. Um, I'm, I need to do better with adding reading into my routine. I think that's the only way I can read um, consistently. Um, But I miss like, I used to read all the time. um, And I read a lot of self-help books or like, I guess, um, nonfiction, but yeah, that sounds, that sounds like something I'll definitely enjoy. Um, and this is all from his practice. So he is a psychotherapist. So this is like 30 years of information. Like it's going to set you so straight. (laughs) It's going to set you straight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh man. It's, I did a podcast a long time ago on, um, mother wounds and um attachment styles and I it, it I find it so fascinating and I'm always thinking about it when I when I interact with people like you know I I, I always say it, it's never personal because more times than not it's their childhood like their inner child that's kind of at play and what they're doing um but at the same time I will literally watch my inner child sabotage or do things and I'm like like how can I I can acknowledge it, but now what? So I would love that book to kind of help me navigate through that. Of course, therapy helps, but like, you know, homework or the takeaway piece is always helpful. Right, right. Um, Wow, I love that. I'm excited. Um, I'm trying to think what, I'm reading a book actually um, my friend gave to me called Daring Greatly. I don't remember the author's name, but it speaks on um, vulnerability and the the stigma around vulnerability and how we can step into vulnerability and actually make it our power and not a weakness. Um, And it's a great book for anyone who's in like a transitional space or going through a breakup or, um, you know, a shift in their life and really tapping into that vulnerability and that discomfort and how you can elevate yourself. And um, I think it's actually so relevant to this topic, but like even within the first chapter, I was like, wow, this is such a gem. Like um, they were just speaking on like, the stigma around vulnerability and being vulnerable is seen as weakness um, and redefining that, our relationship with it. And I love that so much. Um, that sounds good. Daring greatly. I'll find the author and I'll send it to you as well. Um, but yeah, uh, before we go, I always like to end on a light note and I wanted to know uh, something that's brought you joy this week, a small joy. Hmm. Well, um, small joy. Well, you know what? Uh, my daughter and I, we've baked quite a bit this week uh, or from last week, actually. And just before the podcast, like I shared with you, we made some muffins. 
Um, so, you know, any time that I get to spend with her, um, it, it's incredible. And she's growing so fast. Um, I just braided her hair yesterday and put in some extensions and, um, you know, virtual school. Um, she said to her teacher, like, look, look at my hair. And the teacher's like, oh, my gosh, like, it is so cute. And she's like, I know. Don't I look like a star? I was like, yes to the self-esteem. <laughs> Oh, I love that so much. That is so cute. Um, I also love the fact that baking is not only it like ties in every like sense. So like this, like your house smells good, tastes good, feels warm. Like I just love anything to do with baking, even if I don't really eat it. Like I just like the act. It's fun. Um, for me, my small joy has been. I would say I gotten a couple more plants recently and um especially with the weather and everything I'm just like outside is not a thing well obviously it's not a thing because of whole pandemic but also because yes. of the weather so yeah um some form of like grounding energy around me and light has been really really nice and um, yeah it's been bringing me happiness and talking to my friends <laughs> I, I have a few. I have a few plans. So yes, I. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so where can we find you? I know you said on Sunday you're going to have um, a, a live. Um, and just let, let them know what time. I can also add it to the Instagram um, when I post it. But where else can we find you? What's your handle and all that good stuff? Yes, of course. So I am Devika Latoya straight across on all of my platforms. Um, as well, um, I am actually in the middle of doing a full rebrand. Um, so I would love for you to connect. You know, I'm going to be offering several services before I never. Um, so now I will. Because, you know, I've had conversations like the ones that we are having now and I'm recognizing, okay, I, I, I need to step out and, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, and then in the late spring, I'm having my first conference to help those who are coming out of heartbreak. So lots of things on my schedule. So excited. But yeah, just. Just find me, Devika Latoya. I love it. I'm going to add it in the description. Um, that's really exciting. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, for educating us, also just speaking with me. It was lovely. Um, and to everyone who's listening, thank you. You can find the pod at Call Me Crazy Pod that airs on Sundays and Tuesdays on K Radio. And you can find me at Be For Real, and we will see y'all next week. Name one genius that ain't crazy. Name one genius that ain't crazy.